this series has been really fun for me because, uh, as I said in week one, uh, I wish that I had known these things uh, when I started college because, man, in, in a couple uh, uh, different seasons of my, my career as a student, uh, I found myself, myself burned out. And, and the whole premise of this series is, is simply this, is that when you let God set your limits, uh, he frees you uh, from uh, burnout. And, and let me just give you, a, this is not uh, in my notes, but uh, a reason why that is. Uh, it's because uh, when we entrust our lives to God, uh, we find uh, our she- him becoming our shield, our defender, our peace, our, our comfort, our refuge. And, and, when, and when we live by faith and allow God to set our limits, we find God doing those things for us uh, in uh, seasons of stress and hardship and, and, uh, and pain. And so uh, it's been so fun to share these things with you and to hear uh, uh, and read Ryan's uh, content that he shared with you last week. Uh, because these are things that really do uh, change uh, your success as a student and your impact uh, as uh, ministers of the gospel. And so uh, it's been so fun. Uh, and uh, now uh, to the, the burnout idea, right? Uh, we've been talking about this idea of burnout. And, and what is burnout? Uh, burnout is, is essentially when you run out of ga- gas, when the wheels fall off the car, when you, when you quit moving forward. Anybody ever been there? Right? You just, you, you, whatever you do, it seems like you can't move through uh, the place that you're stuck in. I mean, you think about a rocket, when a rocket runs out of fuel. Uh, it either uh, uh, comes uh, out of orbit or, or co- comes out of the atmosphere and into orbit and just circles, right? And, and at worst, uh, it, it crashes back to Earth and it breaks apart and the astronauts sadly die, right? And we, it, it, this, is, this is what burnout does. Either we find ourselves orbiting the same pain, the same problems, the same re- relational dif- difficulties, the same pressures in our life, or we find ourselves crashing and burning. Typically for me, I haven't made it high enough to not crash and burn uh, in seasons of burnout. Uh, but man, so often uh, people find themselves, they, they, they don't really, their life isn't ruined, but they're just not moving forward anymore. And, uh, and, and so many times that happens uh, in, in our lives. Now, uh, how, how does burnout happen? We've been saying this uh, every week because it's an important concept to understand. Uh, and, and this is a medical uh, condition. The World Health Organization, they just updated their uh, diagnosis uh, uh, track. And, and essentially, burnout happens this way. Uh, it's when chronic stress is, ne- is not dealt with. Uh, when you feel the same stress for too long, uh, eventually something breaks. You guys with me? And, and so, uh, so I mean, we got to figure out a way to deal with stress in a way that is healthy. It's not to say that you won't feel stress, but, uh, but if you allow stress to linger, uh, eventually uh, you find yourself circling the same problems and the same, the same stresses uh, or, uh, or stuck uh, crashing and burning. Now, uh, in the scriptures, we find that God puts limits on a lot of things. We've looked at a few of them, right? We, uh, we've looked at the time limit. Uh, we all have a, a limited amount of time. We've looked at uh, the energy limit. Ryan looked at that last week, uh, that we all have a certain amount of energy, and then we're gassed. Uh, and, and we also have a work limit. God says, hey, uh, work hard, but take a break once a week and honor me. And, and tonight, I'd like to talk to you about the weirdest limit uh, that, that I think we see all over the Bible, and it's called the pleasure limit. Everybody say pleasure limit. Thank you. <laughs> the, the pleasure uh, limit, uh, that's, that's coming up. But uh, uh, the pleasure limit uh, is, is one that's like pretty, pretty obvious. You see it all over the scriptures, right? Uh, God, God limits uh, uh, who and how we have sex, right? Uh, he, he, he limits what and when uh, we eat. Uh, he limits how much uh, alcohol we consume, right? You guys, you guys with me, right? There's limits in the scriptures. Uh, in fact, they, God even limits how much we sleep. Right? He says like, hey, don't be lazy. Don't, don't oversleep. And, and, and there's limits all throughout uh, the Bible. 
And, and, and you, can, you can pretty easily see why. And that's how I'd like to start our message, just talking about the problem with excessive pleasure, uh, of going uh, beyond the limits that God has set uh, for the things that we really enjoy. Uh, sound, sound, does that sound all right to you? Now, uh, before I explain, uh, well, let me give you the point, and then before I explain it, I'm going to give you a little caveat, all right? Here's the first point. Uh, the problem with excessive pleasure is this. Excessive pleasure, it stresses our body, soul, spirit, and situation. I know that's a long list, but ex- excessive pleasure, it stresses really the whole person, uh, is what I'm saying. Excessive pleasure, it, it, it stresses every uh, part of us when it's, it, it's excessive, when we overindulge. Now, before I explain what I mean, uh, I'd like to give you this caveat. Uh, it, some people would hear me say this and, and think, uh, yeah, God is just a prude, right? He just doesn't want me to have any fun. He doesn't want, want me to enjoy life. He doesn't want me to, to do the things that, that everybody else gets uh, to do. And, and this is simply not the case. In fact, it's not a biblical idea that, that God doesn't want you to have fun. In fact, check this out. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 8, 15, it says this. Uh, the King Solomon says, so I recommend having, do you see it? Having fun, right? Because there is nothing better for people in, the, in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way, and, and check this out, he says, when, uh, uh, that way they will experience some happiness along with all the what? Hard work God gives them under the sun. In other words, uh, Solomon says, hey, you should enjoy your life, but, but don't, uh, don't overindulge so much that you neglect the work that God has given you to do. Isn't that so often the case with us, though? Uh, we, we, we spend so, so much time avoiding work and chasing pleasure. But, but the Bible is clear. It says, hey, you're supposed to enjoy your life. Here, here's a second example from uh, the New Testament. Uh, in, in 1 Timothy, Paul uh, writes to this, this young man named Timothy, and, and he says this. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but we should receive it with thanks. And then he puts a limit. He puts a boundary. He says, uh, for, for we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. In other words, he says, hey, listen, everything, everything God has created has a place, a, a good place. Everything that God created is meant, uh, meant, meant to be used and leveraged and, and enjoyed in, in a God-honoring way. Uh, but let God's word inform how you do it. And, and let prayer inform how you do it. And, and, and so he says, he, 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 the scriptures uh, don't say that, that pleasure is bad, but it does say there are limits uh, to what we enjoy and how we enjoy them. Now, uh, so often we, uh, we don't uh, really have many limits when it comes to enjoyment, right? Uh, you, you often, oftentimes we, we uh, overindulge because we feel uh, pain or heartache, right? Like uh, if, uh, if you ever had that feeling of like, I just want to feel something good, right? And so we just, you just keep eating the chunky monkey. I'm bringing the chunky monkey references back for those of you who've been around for a while. But like you, just, you just scoop it in, right? We overindulge because uh, we, we just don't want to face the problem that we, need, we, we know we need to address. And, we, and so we begin to overindulge. And, and, and we don't often realize it, but, but when we begin to overindulge in the things that God has put limits on, it begins to add stress in our life. I'd like to give you four examples. Are you, are you guys good with that? Four? Uh, and, uh, and, and I'd just like to give you some quick uh, some quick, quick examples of, of how these things really do add stress to our, our bodies and our souls and our spirits. You, you guys cool with that? All right. Uh, and, uh, and here's the deal. I, I put some scriptures next to these points. We're not going to look at them on the screen just for the sake of brevity. Uh, hopefully you appreciate that. If not, you can look them up later. Uh, but, but here's the first one. Uh, the first one is this. Oftentimes we, we overeat. Uh, that, that sometimes we overindulge. We, we experience excessive pleasure in over 
eating. And, and you don't have to think very long to think about how this stresses body, soul, uh, spirit, and situation. I mean, just think about how this stresses uh, your body. I mean, anyone who's eaten more than a single jack-in-the-box taco knows that overindulging uh, affects you physically, right? And here, the joke in there, if you have never had a jack-in-the-box taco, box tacos, they sell you two at a time. Uh, anyway, but uh, you guys know if, 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 you, if you eat too much of the wrong thing, it makes you sick. In fact, if you, if you, overeat, uh, if you overeat for too long, you begin to put on weight, right? I remember a couple of years ago, uh, stepping on scale and realizing I was like 40 pounds overweight. And, and, and I hadn't even, hadn't even put it together that there was a reason uh, that, that uh, I was tired uh, and moody and cranky, right? It, it's because I, I wasn't healthy, and, and, and that's like the, the thing that, that's so funny about our health and, and overeating is that it, not only did it affect my joints, right, like, and, and my, uh, uh, my ability to run more than like 30 feet, uh, it's, it, it affected my, my soul, right? I, I was like angry, easy to, easily angered. I was like, I was sad, like way more sad than I am today. I mean, Angela spent a lot of time with me, right? I'm a little happier now. And, and a big part of that is, man, I, I just was, I was overindulging. It was stressing my body and my soul. Did you know uh, that God puts a spiritual limit on our eating too? It, it, the word the Bible uses is, is, is fasting. And, and fasting is simply this practice where, where we, uh, we, 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 we uh, abstain from eating for a day or a few days or a week uh, in order to, uh, to prepare our hearts and our bodies and our minds to receive from the Spirit of God, right? And, and it says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take time, uh, time, my time not eating and focus on what you have to give me, the bread uh, that is not actually bread, right? And, and, uh, and um, <laughs> you guys get what I'm saying. And, and, uh, but, but here's the deal. Uh, I, it's amazing to me, right, how, how reluctant I am in my spirit to fast. Like, I can't do that. I have so many excuses. Like, I have too much work to do. I'm going to be too tired. You guys ever use that one? Well, it's like, like if I said, hey, you need to do a three-day fast, how many of you are like, yeah, I'm in. I, I love going without food. It's because we love food, right? But God says, hey, in seasons, regularly take, take time to abstain from food so that you can uh, have your heart prepared to hear from me. And, and here's the crazy thing. I, uh, I, I, I was so, so shocked at how reluctant uh, I've been to fast because, man, what better result could I have than hearing from the living God? Like, what more satisfying thing could you receive? Like, what, uh, what burger could, could be a substitute for, like, God saying something to your spirit? Like, can you imagine what it would look like if, if regularly as you fasted, you, you began to hear more of God's voice, experience more of his grace. You see, uh, uh, overindulging excessive pleasure has this way of putting stress, not just on our bodies, but, but on our spirits and our ability to hear from the Lord. Uh, I've, I've talked long enough. Here's the second example. Uh, oftentimes we overconsume, and what I mean is overconsuming alcohol. It, it's a common uh, problem in, in our day and age, and, and it has been for, uh, for some time. Now, I, just in, anecdotally, I uh, was at a restaurant with one of our, our pastors. He really likes this restaurant for some, for some reason because nobody else does. There's like nobody ever eating in this restaurant. It's like a 10,000 square foot restaurant. And, and this is like the place that, that maybe it's because it's quiet. <laughs> I don't know. But we were at this restaurant and I'm like, nobody's ever here. So I, I'm like, I'm going to ask the waitress, right? And I'm like, hey, you know, I, it seems like nobody ever eats here. Uh, am I coming at the wrong time? And, and, and she's like, she's, she's kind of laughs at me. And, and she like didn't skip a beat. It's like she read between the lines and she's like, yeah, but uh, after five, the bar is always full. 
always full. In other words, let me, let me spell it out for, for you guys. Uh, she, she was saying is that uh, this, this restaurant uh, can survive purely on a bar tab. It, you guys with me? And here's the deal. Uh, man, over-consuming, this is just like, like uh, this is practical wisdom, right? If you're over-consuming alcohol, you're putting stress on your finances. There's no doubt about it. Situationally, it is difficult uh, to, to be wealthy as a student uh, and drink every night. It's just, it's just so expensive. It's crazy. Uh, anyway, uh, but, but not only is, is it a stress on your wallet, but, but it's a stress on your your body. It places stress on your relationships. I, I cannot tell you uh, how, many, how many families I have seen ruined and, and broken, how many ministries I've seen de- derailed, how many, how many careers uh, ha- have uh, um, uh, hit, uh, hit a wall because of, of this one issue, overconsumption. Like, could it, could it be that God's limit uh, for pleasure is a good thing. You know, it's, it's interesting. The Bible even says that, that drunkenness can, uh, can crowd out the, the presence and the work of the Spirit in our lives. It says, don't be drunk on wine. Be full of the Spirit. In other words, man, oftentimes uh, in over-consuming, we, we unknowingly are, are missing out on what God wants to do and say and lead us. And it, it puts stress on our, our, bond, our, our mind, or our body, our soul, and our Spirit. Here's the third thing. I'm going to go quick on this one. You'll get it. Uh, it's o- oversleeping. Uh, oversleeping. Man, oftentimes we take great pleasure in rest. A- anybody love a long weekend? Are you with me? I love the long weekend. It's so good. It feels nice. Sleep in. I don't sleep in anymore. I have kids, but uh, sleep in on the long weekend, and it's amazing. Uh, but it, it's, it, this weird thing happens when you sleep past noon. You guys ever experienced this? You, you, you're very well rested, but you're exhausted. You ever have that experience? It's so weird. I, there's probably some science about it. I don't know, but, but it's so funny. Like, in fact, if you, if you, sleep, uh, you sleep all day for long enough, you give it a couple months, it, you begin, your body begins to weaken. Right? Like, you can only, like, you can only like, watch Netflix for so long before your legs stop working. Right? It's, it's how it works. It puts stress on our bodies. And, 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 and here's, here's another example, right? Uh, it stresses our situations. If you lie in bed uh, and, and you, you sleep in, It'll begin to put stress on your work and on your school and your studies. You'll find yourself uh, less productive and less appreciated. And, 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 uh, and, then, and then your soul gets, gets, starts to get a little shriveled because the longer you do nothing, the more you think you, you can't do anything. You, you ever think about how that works? Uh, the, the more you think that you aren't a contribution, that, that nobody misses you, that nobody cares. And if you think that you don't matter, the next thing that happens is you begin to feel depressed and worthless. Do you think that, that, there, that one of the reasons that uh, we, we have a culture that's consumed by depression could simply be uh, that we're, we're overindulging in some areas? Man, it puts stress on so many parts of our lives. Here's the fourth thing. It's the, the most spicy for sure. Uh, I couldn't even think of how to say it, but it's over-sexualizing. I was going to say over-sexing, but it's not actually a word. So uh, over-sexualizing was what I, what I went with. And here's the deal. The scriptures say that sex is good. There's, there's no doubt about it. You have uh, an entire book uh, about two people, like, uh, you know, doing the, doing the dirty, right? It's called Song of Solomon. It's by our, our friend, or Song of Songs by King Solomon, right? We, we read a quote from him uh, in Ecclesiastes 8. Like, God is not, not anti-sex, uh, but he does limit how we go about sex and how we do how we go about romance here's the short version of the limit god puts on sexual expression he says do it in the covenant of marriage uh, and then he says do it with love and respect 
it's not like, not that restrictive, right? Like, it's like, hey, just, just find one person that you really care about and then like really care about them. That's, it's like, it's pretty, that's a pretty cool limit, I think. Uh, but, uh, but we're like, but it's hard to find that person, right? And then we, we, we jump uh, over the line, which, which means this. It means that por- pornography, uh, swiping left, self-gratification uh, are outside of God's limit. Now, uh, usually when a preacher preaches that don't have sex before marriage, people, people think, don't judge me. I'm not hurting anybody. What, what's your problem, right? And, and what, 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 I'm, what I'm saying to you is, is, is this. Uh, you may not be hurting anybody, but, but over, overindulging in sex, living outside of God's limit, it actually hurts you. It puts stress on, on you. It, it puts stress on, on your, your body and, and your relationships. And, and I, could do, I could do a whole, whole series uh, on, on that, probably like a whole semester series. I don't really want to do it, but uh, on this issue, it's, it's so, so prevalent in our cu- culture, but, uh, but uh, living outside of the limit in terms of sex, it puts stress on our relationship with God uh, because we feel guilt and we feel shame. It, it puts stress on us emotionally, right, we, where we feel used or, or, or not good enough, right? It, it begins to put stress uh, on our current relationship because all of our past relationships are baggage that we're carrying in. And, and it's baggage that's really difficult to let go of. I, uh, I sat across the dinner table with uh, an old friend in Seattle last week, one of my earliest roommates, and, uh, and he, he sat across from me. I'm, I'm just like uh, overindulging him, just eating armadillo eggs. You ever, they're like deep fried cheese balls with jalapenos in them. And uh, it's like the only place I've ever seen them sell them. So I'm like, ah, ah, do you want to? <laughs> right? And he's, he's, he's sitting there and he's like, uh, he, he's so sad. He's like telling, he's, and I'm put the armadillo egg down. Right? He's telling me about uh, his wife leaving him. And, and the sh- to make uh, a long story very short, uh, he, uh, uh, because of uh, uh, sorrow in his life and disappointment in his life, uh, he, he began to, uh, to um, consume internet pornography and lie about it to his wife. And you know, uh, she might have forgiven him, except he lied about it. He was so ashamed to tell, uh, to tell her. And, uh, and it stresses relationship to uh, a breaking point. And it was, it was a hard thing uh, to watch, uh, but it wasn't surprising. It, it, it's a conversation that I have uh, so consistently with young people. It, it's something that, uh, uh, that, that is a real stress on our lives. Now, uh, this isn't um, a sermon on sex. Uh, it's a sermon on how, uh, how pleasure uh, can either uh, stress us uh, or um, lead us uh, to the person of Jesus. And so can I, can I continue uh, with one, uh, one thought before explaining to you how the pleasure limit works? Um, before I go on, uh, I'd just like to say this. Over, overindulging in, in what is pleasurable, it, it's, it's the single greatest reason that, that college students burn out. It is, it is the reason that college students burn out. And, and here's why. Uh, when we're stressed out about our work, we quit. When, when ministry stresses, out, what stresses us out, we quit. Right? When a relationship stresses us out, we break up. Uh, but when pleasure stresses us out, we just consume more. We consume more. And, it, and it's the danger of, of uh, the danger is excessive pleasure is deceptive. That's your, your next fill-in. The danger of uh, excessive pleasure is deceptive. It's, it's deceptive. 
And the reason that, that it's so dangerous and it leads so many students to burnout is they don't realize uh, the, the weight that they're putting on their relationships and the weight that they're putting on their relationship with God, uh, the, the weight that they're putting on their souls and their bodies and, and because it feels good in the moment. And, and this can carry on through a person's entire life. And, and so many people, can I tell you, not just, not just young people, but, but people in, in their 60s and 70s and 80s ha- have been doing this, right? They've just been orbiting around the same problems and the same struggles and the same pressures. And, and, and it has everything to do with not dealing w- with stress in a way that honors God and is healthy. Now, um, we, we, don't, we don't see it coming with pleasure because it feels good in the moment. I have a, a story that was sort of, sort of funny and kind of surprising and a little bit sad. But in, in 2011, there was a teacher uh, who liked to eat gum. Uh, she would eat 14 pieces of gum uh, a day. Uh, it, minty fresh breath, though, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so that's a good thing. But she, she just kept eating gum. And, and her, her, her poor stomach, right, was, it was uh, failing to absorb the appropriate nutrients because uh, the gum was starting to form into large balls in her stomach. And, and uh, I don't know why I'm doing this, like milking a cow. Right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, you know, the doctors, they, they initially thought she was poisoned. But, but upon doing the post-mortem autopsy, they found the five uh, gumballs lodged in her stomach. And, and they found that uh, she was uh, deficient of these things. She, she had a potassium, calcium, sodium, and magnesium deficiencies. Can you imagine? Like not, not absorbing that many nutrients for that, that long so that it killed you. Like you didn't, she probably didn't even see it coming. And, and here's the deal. I mean, that's an absurd example, right? I'm, I'm assuming none of you eat 14 sticks of gum a day. If you do, please stop. Uh, but, uh, uh, but here's the point, right, is that we, we think that the positive endorphins or the personal satisfaction will make up for the stress or the pain that we know is coming. Uh, we think that the pleasure makes up for uh, how the overindulgence is going to complicate our life. And, and so we don't even recognize the strain that it's putting on our lives until it kills something important. Uh, and, and hopefully, uh, pleasure, uh, exceeding the pleasure limit doesn't kill you. Uh, but but I, can, I can be sure uh, to tell you this, that, uh, that stress does kill things in our lives. It kills relationships. It kills our hope. Uh, it, it kills our faith. It kills our ability to love people. And, and this is why God has given us a, a limit on what we enjoy. It's because overindulgence, it, it, it adds to our stress. It doesn't relieve it. And because without the limit, we wouldn't even realize the damage that we are doing to ourselves. Now, uh, here's the limit that God puts on, on pleasure. Uh, let me explain. Uh, it's pretty simple. It's just, this is it in a nutshell. The, pre- the pleasure limit that God gives us in the scriptures is this. I'm going to give you a negative example and a positive example, but you can write it down. Uh, the pleasure limit is this. Pleasure cannot be primary. That's the limit that God's put on pleasure in our lives. Pleasure can't be the most important thing. Uh, can't. Uh, pleasure cannot be the purpose of your life. And, and for many people, the only limit that they put on pleasure is, is this. And, and I mentioned it earlier. Uh, the only limit that they'll put on pleasure is as long as I'm not hurting anyone, right? As long as I'm not hurting anyone. And the problem with living this way is that it doesn't in t- take into account how uh, what you're doing is hurting you, right? Like the lady with the minty fresh breath. Uh, and and, and uh, here's, uh, here's another uh, sort of an odd example. A few years ago, uh, this thing started. It was called the Tide Pod Challenge. You guys, uh, any, anybody do the Tide Pod Challenge? 
<laughs> He's just joking. Uh, well, that's good because Tide Pods, if you don't know, they're detergent balls, right? They're uh, crystallized soap, essentially, in a plastic wrap. And, uh, and you put them in your, your laundry and it, it breaks it open and your, your clothes are smelling, smelling great, great, right? But, uh, but the Tide Pod challenge was this. Uh, kids and then adults, uh, they'd film themselves eating in a Tide Pod uh, so for the YouTube likes, right? And, and I don't know, nobody knew why people were doing this except uh, all, as, as best we can guess, it's, uh, the, the, the pleasure uh, of the recognition of YouTube likes, right, and, and friends' uh, applause and the attention, that, the pleasure that comes with attention, uh, led people to do this. And, and it's crazy. The, um, the, these things are toxic, right? And so people across the country are being hospitalized, right? It's like, it's, it's so crazy that, that we'll, we'll do things that we know are damaging to us if we think it'll make us feel good now. Isn't that crazy? But, but we all have been here. Maybe not Tide Pod here, but, but we've all been in that situation, right, where we're like, yeah, I know this is probably not going to be good for me, but, but it'll, be wor- it'll be worth it. I'll, I'll deal with it later. It's funny, it's funny how we'll do things that are dangerous that they promise to please us. In fact, that's the story of original sin, isn't it? Not? You got Adam and Eve, there's a tree in a garden, and there's a pretty, pretty apple, and a snake. He's like, eat it, right? Actually, I have a comic that, uh, that illustrates it, right? This is a good one. I hope you guys like it. Uh, Okay, Adam and Eve, here's the deal. Uh, you get to, to live in this beautiful garden as long as you don't eat the forbidden Tide Pod fruit, right? Uh, uh, wow, that looks good. No, uh, I'm just going to taste it. Stop, right? Uh, so Adam and Eve, uh, they, they ate the Tide Pod, or I mean the fruit, right, from the garden. And uh, it's bad, I know, but uh, be, because it was pleasing, and this is what the scripture says, because it was pleasing to the eye and, and, uh, and because they thought it would make them know what God knew. Isn't it pleasing to know more than somebody? Right? Like, it's like, yeah, I, if they really knew, if they weren't such, such dummies, right? You guys don't say that, but, uh, but it was pleasing to them. Now, uh, King Solomon, he, he applied uh, the same philosophy uh, of if it's not hurting anybody, let's do it. Like, let's see, uh, let's live for pleasure. Let's make uh, pleasure uh, the primary thing in my life. And he does this, this sort of uh, life experiment uh, and and uh, I'm going to read you just a snippet of his experiment of making pleasure his primary goal. Are you ready? This is really interesting. Uh, this is 3,000 years ago. He, he says this. He's a king, and he says, So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. It, underline that phrase for me if you have a pen. I den- denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors, but... As I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. I I had you underline that that phrase, I denied myself no pleasure, because pleasure is essentially this, it's desire, fulfillment. And so he goes on this experiment to, to fulfill every longing, every dissatisfaction that he feels. And, and if you want to read about all the things that he does to enjoy his life, it's, it's kind of a long list, and you can look it up uh, later. But, but Solomon, he used desire fulfillment to, to decide uh, what was good. He made pleasure his primary thing, and he, he drew a couple conclusions that are sad but consistently true. And the first one that I'd like to point out is this, is that pleasure is not permanent. Pleasure is not permanent. He, he, he's like, a pleasure was a waste of time. I invested all of these resources, and it was like I was chasing the wind. <laughs> I don't even know what that looks like. But he's, and here's, think about it this way. You can't, bottle, you can't bottle wind, right? You guys, 
You bottle it, it doesn't keep blowing when you open it again. It's, you can't bottle. He's like, I was chasing the wind, I was chasing the experience, and it was like, it was like a gentle breeze. You, you're like, a gent, you can enjoy a gentle breeze, right? But you can't, you can't bottle it up. You can't keep it. And, and that's how a, a moment of pleasure is, right? It's, it's fleeting. I mean, think about it this way. How long do you really enjoy the hamburger? I like hamburgers. That's why I keep using this as an example. How long, how long do you really uh, feel satisfied by the hamburger? Uh, like 10 minutes? Like if you're, if you're really patient, like a couple hours? At, at the very least, like four hours later, you're probably pretty hungry, right? You need some almonds, right? And, and, and here's the deal. Pleasure is not I got all of it on my desk. Anyway, pleasure is not permanent. And, and so when, when pleasure becomes your purpose, uh, your, your life becomes fleeting. You're just chasing the wind. You see, pleasure isn't bad. It just doesn't last. And when it becomes the most important thing, you, you end up like Solomon. You've made a huge investment, but nothing, nothing really, you really don't have anything to show for it. Now, think about the alternative. Uh, God, right? He doesn't call us to, to chase pleasure. He calls us to become like Jesus, uh, to, to, to have a character that's, that's different than, than everybody else, uh, to work hard, uh, to, to deny ourselves so that we can, we can represent the love of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, uh, the strength of Jesus, uh, the kindness of, of Jesus. And, and here's the amazing thing uh, about God, uh, God's investment in us. He says, hey, it's not going to be pleasurable all the time. In fact, a lot of the time, it's going to be really painful developing your character into the likeness of my son. Jesus, but uh, there is no situation or stranger who can steal your character. It does not blow like the wind. It is yours forever. It, this is what Solomon discovered in the negative way. When, when, uh, when we make pleasure our primary, we find uh, that our life has no permanence. Uh, but he learned something else. He learned that pleasure is a gift. It's not your purpose. Pleasure is a gift. It's not your purpose. In other words, just because you're not living for pleasure doesn't mean you're not going to experience good things. Just because you're walking with God and he's asking you to wait doesn't mean you're not going to experience good things. Uh, just, just because uh, you, the thing that he's asking you to do is, is painful doesn't mean that you're not going to experience incredible joy and in life. Uh, what, what Solomon, what Solomon uh, realizes is that, uh, that chasing, chasing pleasure as a purpose was meaningless. He says, I, I looked at all that I'd experienced and all that I'd done, and it was all, it's so sad, right? It was all so, I mean, it's like almost, you can picture Eeyore, right? Like he's got the nailed tail, right? Solomon just Eeyoreing down the street. It's all so meaningless. You, you see, pleasure is a gift, which means it comes after the purpose. It comes after the relationship with the person of Jesus, I mean, just do a thought experiment to, 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 to think about what I mean. Uh, imagine I'm living to get blitzed, stoned, swashed, right? Like that's my, my life goal. I'm, li- I'm just uh, like, uh, uh, like lover boy, right? I love quoting lover boy. I- I'm just working for the weekend, right? And, and, uh, and just, just think about it, right? When, what happens when I'm at work and, and I hate it, right? It, then then I, I feel resentful and bitter. In fact, I have a meme to explain uh, what, what, it, what it's like when pleasure is your purpose. You, you got my meme? The weekend, you got Frodo. He's chilling in the Elf City. Monday morning, you guys aren't Lord of the Rings people. Can you not see it? Oh, I'm in the way. <laughs> there it is. Oh, I almost fell off. He's like, 
the weekend. It's so good. I love it. It's pleasurable. Monday morning, he's wrapped in uh, spider webs and doing his thing. And uh, the reason that I use this, it's funny, is because uh, when I worked at Office Max in Seattle, it was a terrible place to work. I'd get there at 5 in the morning, and literally every, every employee would look like the dude on the bottom, right? Like it, it, it doesn't, there's no sun there, so we're very pale, and they were very sad to be there, just working for the weekend. And, and here's the deal. When, when pleasure is your purpose, when you're not, when you're living in ordinary moments, or when things are painful, you hate your life. You hate your life. It feels, it feels pointless, like, you're like, why am I even at work? This is so pointless. How many of you have said that, right? It's so, so characteristic of us. We, we have this tendency as, as humans to make pleasure primary, to say, the most important thing in my life is how I feel. And, man, and this, you can get rid of that. I can't look at it anymore. But this is, this, this is how, how it works. And, and suddenly in the ordinary moments, every ordinary moment is marked by, by sadness, by bitterness, resentment that you're not doing something more uh, fun uh, by discouragement or dis- disappointment or discontent. Do you see how the, the pleasure limit is a gift? It, it reminds us that there's something, we're living for something more than, than a fleeting moment. Uh, that our life is, is, is not only to be enjoyed when we're enjoying consuming something. You, you, you see, when, when we begin to allow God to set a limit, on our pleasure, when, when pleasure uh, ceases to be the primary thing, we, we begin to experience good things as a gift that we celebrate. It's like, man, I'm so glad to be experiencing this because I know I don't always get to experience this, this level of enjoyment. And, and then when we, we don't experience enjoyment, we're reminded to look to God instead of worldly things for our purpose. Jesus summed up pleasure, uh, the pleasure limit in a different way. And, and I'll just share this verse with you and then we'll wrap. Uh, wrap it up, but uh, he, he kind of echoes Solomon even. In Matthew 16, 24, he says this. He's, he's teaching his disciples, and he says, if anyone would come after me, and really this is the purpose that God has given to every person on the earth. He wants them to, to follow him and to walk with him. He says, if anyone would, would come after me, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Forever, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, we'll find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You see, uh, Jesus calls believers to make him their primary, uh, to make him the reason that, that they get up in the morning. Uh, this is what it means to be a Christian. It's to say, Jesus is Lord. In fact, that's how Paul defines Christianity. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Says, it, one of the essential components is this, is making Jesus the primary reason for your life. You think about that, right? Like, how often is pleasure the primary reason for our life instead of what Jesus has called us to do? You see, uh, Jesus says, that following him, in fact, is not pleasurable. He says following him involves two things, right? He says it involves denying yourself. It's the opposite of what Solomon did. Solomon said, I denied myself no pleasure. And Jesus says, if you would follow me, deny yourself. (laughs) Say no to your desires and trust that my desire for your life is better than anything that you could hope for. And then he says this. He says, man, once you're willing to follow me, uh, to live according to my purpose, purposes, uh, you must take up your cross. And, and essentially, Jesus is saying this. If you're going to follow me, you have to choose to live like me. 
Because isn't this what Jesus does? Isn't this the pinnacle moment of Jesus' life? He, he takes up a cross, and, and he, he carries it up a hill, and he dies for your sins and mine so that we could have a right relationship with God. It, it's, in a nutshell, it's sacrificial love, right? This is what, this is what the, the life of a believer is. It's sacri- sa- sacrificially loving people. It's serving other people, of thinking less of yourself and more of, of others, and Jesus was obedient uh, where we were disobedient. He took our penalty and our punishment, and he did it out of a deep and rooted love for us. So, so what Jesus is telling us, he's saying, take up your cross. It means that you're taking up opposition. People will, will mock you, and, and they'll think you're really ridiculous for doing things like Jesus says to do, like pray for your enemies. Are you kidding me? Man, you should like, uh, you should direct message their boyfriend, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to think of a good example. Like, get, get even. Let's go, right? Like, that's what people say. Like, don't, like, don't do the Jesus thing. They oppose, and they will oppose, man, the life of faith. The, the, Jesus says it's true, it, and it, it happens. And Jesus, when he takes, says, take up your cross, uh, bad example, sorry. But he, when he says, uh, man, you're taking on suffering. Man, you'll, you'll feel pain living out the calling that God has placed on your life. You'll miss out living, living out the calling that God has placed on your life. He says, don't, don't uh, be fooled, right? There, there, is, there is a limit to what you will enjoy. You will, you will experience suffer, suffering and loving other people sacrificially. He says, uh, you will take on loneliness. At the cross, Jesus was alone. There was no one else to carry it for him. Do you think that, that your loneliness is actually God at work in your life? I mean, many of you have expressed loneliness. Many of you feel lonely more often than not. And, and, and could it be that God is, he's trying to get you to carry something holy. Uh, man, taking up your cross means uh, taking on a burden, the burden of serving others. When you serve others, really that's what you're doing. You're lifting some of the load that they're carrying. This is, this is what God has called us to do. And, and you're like, well, how would I want to do any of that, Right? That sounds terrible. I'd rather, much rather enjoy my weekend uh, than paint that old lady's house. I don't, I'm just making up examples. But, but, but here's what Jesus says. Jesus is saying uh, faith, well, let me say it this way. Oftentimes uh, we think that faith is, is uh, opposed to us feeling good. Uh, but, but what Jesus is saying is that uh, the, the willingness to follow him and to live by faith is what really makes you alive. It's not what you experience uh, and, and enjoy. It, it's when you live by faith, he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will, what? Find it. And, and so he asks this question of his disciples, and it's the same question, question that, and that God is, is asking of you tonight. He says, uh, what profit is, is it to you if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? Like, what, what would you give in return for your soul? I mean, Will you give that thing that you excessively enjoy if it means being fully alive and walking with the living God and living a, a purpose that is permanent, that has staying power, that, that isn't gone the next morning? Like, will you give up the thing that you excessively enjoy if it means having a, a life full of meaning and, and permanence? Because uh, I, I can tell you from, from personal experience that, that, that chasing pleasure and, and living with pleasure as your primary goal and purpose in life, it is fleeting there is nothing to show for it. There, there is no satisfaction or, or life. My, uh, my friend from Seattle, uh, he, uh, he said something interesting to me. Uh, he, he, you could see that he was sad. 
but he was describing his life, and, and he was doing some incredible things, things I would never have expected him to do. And he said, uh, yeah, when this happened to me, God, God met me, and it was like I came alive. It was like for 10 years I was just, I was dead. Isn't that so interesting? Isn't it so interesting that, that apart from God, even when we're doing, like, we're not doing anything wrong, that, that we still don't feel alive. And the reason is, is because uh, in order to walk with Jesus, it requires us to say no to ourselves and yes to him. Is that something that, that you are willing to do? Is that something that, that has been characteristic of your life? Like what would it look like if, if you sacrificed pleasure to make Jesus the primary thing in your life? And some of you have. And, and, and I've seen God work in your lives. It's been incredible to watch. But maybe you're here and you're doing all the right things and you just still don't really feel, feel alive. What would, it, what would it look like? I can, uh, I can tell you this. Uh, your soul is more important than your situation. Uh, your spirit is more important than, than what you're experiencing right now. Uh, your relationship with Jesus is, is, is better than anything that you could uh, claim for yourself at, at a weekend party. Uh, because when you walk with him and in his presence, there's fullness of joy and there's a purpose that's permanent. Uh, let, me, let me pray for you, and then we'll, we'll sing one more time. Uh, Father God, thank you so much uh, that you don't call us to deny ourselves and take up our cross without doing it yourself first, uh, that you demonstrate for us that man, there's great power in carrying something holy like sacrificial love. God, I pray for the people in this room, God, who are uh, caught up in, in uh, chasing pleasure, looking for meaning in life and pleasure, uh, God, who are not uh, living within the limits uh, that you've set for, uh, for sex and for alcohol and for food and for rest. Uh, God, that you would begin uh, uh, to give them a next step, uh, that, that you would begin to speak into their lives in such a way that they could be free from, from the chronic stress that comes with overindulgence, with living apart from you and your son. God, guard our hearts, uh, guard our minds, make us alive in such a way that we might uh, carry Jesus into the places uh, that we're studying and working. God, thank you for these people. I pray that you would leave them encouraged because they have a, they have a direction. Uh, God, thank you for all that you've done in our lives. We pray that you'd be honored in these next moments. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.